on the next instalment. Over to you. Thanks, Ben. Good morning, everybody. Oh, Wilson's here. Excellent. <laughs> I was just about to say, oh, I am still just about to say, I think this is the fifth time I've preached since I was brought into the eldership team in January. And um, I always feel the weight of it. And I always wake up on Sunday mornings when I'm preaching with the words from James thundering through my head. Not many of you should teach. Those that teach will be judged more strictly. I'm just like, why am I doing this? Um, and it's good that Andrew's here this morning as well, so that's nice. Um, this, this particular talk, more than any of the ones I've done so far, I've definitely felt the weight of this week. Like I felt a real, not a burden, but a weight, and a weight that I've had to carry through the week. And I honestly think that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to people this morning in important ways, really life-changingly important ways. And I know there's a couple of things that I might say in the next few minutes that if I get them wrong, it's, it's going to be difficult um, for, for people to hear. Um, if I get it right, none of us have got any problems and it's all good. Um, but I honestly believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak and if, if I miscommunicate anything I'm trying to communicate, please come and talk to me at the end, because that isn't what my intention is at all. Um, so, we're in Acts chapter 13. Um, and if you could just put the map up there, Simon, Duncan, please. So this is about to be Paul's first missionary journey. So he's starting, I wish I had a pointer, but I haven't. Right-hand side in Antioch, Ollie spoke last week about the church in Antioch being the church where really the gospel explodes outwards to here, today, from there, really, um, where the kind of New Testament church really kicks off to the ends of the earth. So Paul's about to start his journey in Antioch over there on the right-hand side, and I'm just going to read, I'm going to read the first 14 verses um, and then kind of talk through the next bit. So this is where we're starting. Now, there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So as Ollie said last week, it's a very cosmopolitan area, diverse church. There's lots of people from lots of different places together as these new Christians, as they've just started to be called, together and going outwards on mission. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now I'm going to keep reading and the next bit is going to go back to the map. Please, Simon. Thanks. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, so just a few miles south of Antioch. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. So don't forget, Ollie said last week, Barnabas was from Cyprus. So he's kind of going back to his homeland, that first part of the journey with Paul. When they'd gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, left-hand side, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And this would have been different kind of magician to Simon the magician that we meet. This is someone who 
um, practices the occult, or practices fortune telling, and that kind of things. And in Paphos, uh, the Greek goddess, mythological goddess Aphrodite, is, was kind of worshipped there. So it's it's a it's a place that needs the gospel, basically. I'll keep reading. He was, the pro, he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Interest, uh, can you keep the map up there, please, Sorry. Duncan, thanks. Um, interestingly, this is the first time that Saul is actually called Paul in text. So Clive, a few weeks ago, spoke about Paul's journey from Saul to Paul, at his conversion, where he kind of becomes Paul. This is the first time he's called Paul in the, in the New Testament. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, so leaving Cyprus, and came to Persia in Pamphylia, in modern-day Turkey. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Persia and came to Antioch in Pisidia, so up northwards to Antioch in Pisidia, so not Antioch in Syria, but Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. And what happens next? So they're in Pisidian Antioch at this point, Paul and Barnabas and their entourage. And also it's worth saying that um, it wouldn't have just been Paul and Barnabas. There's gonna be teams of people that, that travel, partly because it's really dangerous and we find out that it's really dangerous. So there's the two of them and other people that are now in Pisidian Antioch. They stay there for a week. If you can flick to the next side, please, Duncan. The next few verses, Paul preaches on the Sabbath, and it's a really good preach. So verses 15 to 44, if you're unfamiliar with Acts, really good, because there's lots of church history and lots of truth packed into there, into that talk that Paul gives. They stay there for a week, and on the following Sabbath, so next slide please, on the following, and the next one, <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm not gonna read out what happens in here, and not just because I'm trying to avoid the predestination thing that's tricky to explain at the end of that slide there. We will do that at some point, but again, not today. What happens is, the first time Paul preaches on the Sabbath, it's received well. They stay there for a week, he preaches on the next Sabbath, and the Jewish religious leaders on that Sabbath oppose what he's saying, don't like what he's saying, reject the word of God that he's saying. So just keep going through these slides, please, guys. Um, and to the next one, actually. But this is the point where the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, they accept the word of God. So where it says there, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up prosecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the gospel, is, sorry, drink of water. 
Andy, could I grab another glass of water? So the gospel was starting to spread outwards at a rate of knots. And the Gentiles are believing it. New disciples are being made. And the Holy Spirit is filling them. And it's good. Now, if we back up to um, verses 2 and 3, where the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. They're told to go, but they're not told what to do. It doesn't say, Here's the journey, it starts here, it finishes here. It just says, Set them apart and go. Just go. And very often, we're called to go, we're called to set off. Guys, next slide. We're called to set off, thanks Andy, but not specifically told what to do, right? And if you think back to uh, Saul's conversion to Paul a few weeks back, where God says to Ananias, go to find Saul, because he's persecuting the church and I've chosen him to be one that takes the gospel, takes the light to the Gentiles. God says to Ananias, go and find Saul for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And it's fascinating, I think, that firstly, God didn't say that to Saul. He said it to Ananias. Go and find someone because I'm going to show him how much he needs to actually become Paul, become small and kind of diminish in his own standing and become someone that follows me and puts me first and, you know, speaks truth to the Gentiles. God says it to Ananias, go and, go and find Paul because I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name. And he isn't even saying I'm going to tell him, but he says I'm going to show him. One bit at a time, the journey, and the journey is going to be amazing and the journey is going to have some victories and it's going to have some challenges. And it's going to have some amazing stories to tell. And he's going to have to back one more. Backwards. Thank you. And he's going to have to, he's going to, have to suffer for the sake of my name. And that's, that's part of it. I was talking to Sally this morning. Um, Sally, where is Sally? Sally's got a tattoo. What's your tattoo say? Here's my strength and my song. I said to Sally, probably if you get another tattoo, it's not going to be that. It's probably not going to be, for I will show you how much you must suffer for my name. But actually, if Sally did get that tattooed on her other arm, then every time in life she goes, this is tough. I'm suffering for the sake of his name. Then on the other arm, but he's my strength and my song. And those two things can go together. Sally, it's not a bad idea. And, you know, as I said, and as was on the slide, keep flicking forward, guys. God often reveals one step of the journey at a time. And you've got no idea what the next step is going to be and whether it's going to be a victory or whether it's going to be a challenge. But, as it says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And, and later in the same psalm, actually, it says, keep steady my steps according to your promise. There's no floodlight that lights everything. It's just... There's a lamp to this foot and to that foot and there's a lamp to this foot and there's a light to this path that I'm walking and I can't see that far in the distance but I know that I'm on the right path because well, there's a lamp to my foot as I'm walking 
And every step of the way, God often reveals only one step at a time. And this is kind of the, where I've got to get what I say now right, basically. And I'm really, I'm not, I'm aiming very much not to offend anyone or upset anyone. When I mentioned to Clive, Clive's smiling at me at the moment. I mentioned to Clive this morning what I was going to say, and he said, you're going to have to make sure you can say that right. You're going to have to make sure you don't upset people. It's like, I know, I know. I was helping my daughter with something, my eight-year-old daughter, actually. I was helping my eight-year-old daughter with something yesterday. And she said, you know, Daddy, can you help me with this? And I said, yeah, you know, and I did it. And she went, oh, you did it. I was like, yeah, I'm very clever. And she looked at me and said, you're not Clive. So, <laughs> so. I do know my place in the team. My eight-year-old daughter knows my place in the team as well. My son's advice to me this morning was don't fall off the stage. So, there you go. Anyway, this is the bit that I, I, I must explain properly. Um, if you can go to the next slide, guys, please. Every journey has to end so another can begin. It has to. And every journey has a beginning and a middle and an end. And every journey is going to end at some point so that another journey can start. And if we ever look through these next three maps, so that's Paul's first journey again, okay? So where we started. Started at Antioch, round through Cyprus, up into modern day Turkey and so on. Background finishes in Antioch, okay? And then the next slide. So Paul's second journey in a few chapters' time starts in Antioch again, starts in the same place, completely different journey, totally different journey, takes in some of, some of the same places, but not many of the same places. In fact, only a couple of the same places. Back around through Greece and back, down to Jerusalem, up to Antioch, completely different journey. Same starting point, same finishing point, totally different journey that God leads them one step at a time on. And then the next slide, his final journey in Acts, in the book of Acts, starts at Antioch again, different journey again, finishes in Jerusalem this time. And then on after Acts is where Paul is imprisoned in Rome and so on. So I've been thinking a lot this week about a lot of people here actually which is part of the, the weight the good weight I guess of being an elder is thinking about praying about people at church a lot and I've talked to quite a lot of people that were at Centro in the past few weeks and for those that don't know Centro was a venue we started in town in 2013 so I, I was there with Rebecca and my kids from 2013 to 2018 and we had, we had the venue in town at the Hippodrome that met every Sunday at the same time as the church here met, the venue here met. And uh, since lockdown, I think since lockdown, the Hippodrome venue hasn't happened, hasn't functioned. And that's been really difficult for a lot of people. And it's been really difficult for a lot of people here to kind of go, but I, I went from Hannon Park to Centro because I'm passionate about the town centre and the deprived areas of town 
And now I'm sitting here at Hannon Park again. And I don't really know why or how or what to do next. And I know that's been tricky for a lot of people, and it is still tricky for people. And what I really felt God impress upon me this week, can you go back to the maps, please? Thanks. Was to say to anyone that was on the Centro journey and is still on that journey, every journey starts and has a beginning and a middle and an end. And the journey that we started in 2013 had a beginning and a middle and an end. And the good thing is, now, there's a new journey to start. And the town centre still has to be reached. And we've still got to be lights to the world and take the gospel to the town centre. I was talking to Mandy Love last week. And Mandy was saying, is Mandy here today? Mandy was saying, you know, I've still got this burning, you know, it's the town centre, that's me, that's me and my journey. And that's great, because the first journey is finished, and the second journey has started. And it's going to be different. But it's still starting here, in Antioch. And it may or may not finish here, who knows, it might be in five years' time, Mandy and Malcolm are in Canada, I don't know. But the second journey starts now. And, um, and for other people as well, um, Dion this week, Dion and Michelle and the team uh, that ran the hub in Shinewater, doing amazing work into Shinewater up the road, have just had to close the doors for possibly the final time. And I emailed Dion um, this week and she emailed back and said, I'm really sad, but it feels like it's the step which it's the step it's the only step we can take and so we're closing the doors again that particular journey has started and finished and it's tough and hurts but every journey has an end and then there's a new journey to pick up and start and it's a tough but good <laughs> it's a good thing and actually just to kind of, I just wanted to honour Dion and I hope I hope hope you don't mind me saying this, but um, the re- one of the reasons I was emailing Dion is with their final budget, the final money in the bank from the hub, Dion emailed and said, we got this, this is all that we've got left, we're closing the doors, please give this to the New Day budget at King's and bless the young people at King's with it because we can't use it anymore, please use it here instead. Uh, it was really amazing. Um, and when I emailed Dion and she emailed back, she just said, it's all God's anyway. I'm just stewarding it. And I'm on the journey that I'm on. And everything I have is his anyway. It's really amazing. And if you, if you are, and I know there are people here, who are going, I don't really know how I've ended up back here. Or I don't know why I'm still here. Or I don't know what journey I'm on. Well, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, as Paul and Barnabas did, the Holy Spirit said, go. And if you're walking with the Holy Spirit, and if you're full of the Holy Spirit, like it says in Acts 13, Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, and it says Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, doing what God tells them to do. Even if you're sitting here today, I know there are people sitting here today thinking, I don't really know why I'm here. I just don't. Well, 
I honestly believe God would say, this is where I've led you on your journey, where you listen to me. And this is good, because now you're in the right place. And the hub may have closed its doors, but there's a new journey to pick up. And Centro, as Centro was in 2013, 14, 15, 16 and on, isn't the same, but that journey was good and bore a lot of fruit and was amazing. And one of the reasons it hurts now for people is it was amazing and people would love to still be doing the same thing. But actually, that journey began, middle, end, but it's good because now there's another journey to have and it's perfect that Mandy is saying, oh, I've still got a heart for town, for the people of the town centre, great because we need to reach Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And if Mandy and Malcolm's journey is into town centre, and if Dion's journey is Shinewater, amazing, because those places are going to need the gospel until the end of time. And if it's Berlin, fantastic. And if it's Dubai, fantastic. There's journeys that God has got for every single one of us here. And it's always going to be the right journey, even if there's hardship along the way and even if there's trouble along the way. And if you... Yeah, I will say this. I just got to say it right, Clive. Um, the words of my daughter are thundering through my ears at the moment. Um, Ollie said it, a couple of things Ollie, Ollie mentioned last week really sort of got my attention. Well, everything Ollie said last week got my attention. But a couple of things particularly Ollie said got my attention. When he said we need to be a church that replicates Antioch. We need to be an Antioch church. And we really do. We have to be a church that sends people. And whether it's sending two miles up the road into town or one mile up the road to Shine Water or a few hundred miles to France, or thousands of miles to Australia. This place has got to be a place that sends people out on journeys, on missions. And it's interesting that two of those journeys start and finish at Antioch, and Paul's third journey starts at Antioch and doesn't finish there. But it starts at Antioch and goes back to Antioch. So we've got this, which you probably picked up, kind of mission statement of, and, and Ben mentioned it this morning, gather, grow, and go. And we've got to be a church that gathers here and gathers in small groups and gathers in friendship groups, gathers together and grows together, strengthening each other and finding strength in the Lord, you know, together. And we've got to be a church that goes from here. It's got to be a church that goes outwards out into the world and whether it's one mile or a thousand miles or five thousand miles away there's been and this is the thing I've got to make sure I try and get right communicate right I've been here a long time and it felt like in the early days really often I'd turn up to life group or wherever I was going and you say hello to people and someone would go oh by the way I've been called to South Africa and I'm going next week and you're like okay and then the next week it was, I've been called to France and we're off next month. And, and this isn't, really isn't a um, criticism of anyone or anything. 
but it's felt like in recent years too many people have left church and not enough people have been sent from church. And there's been people that have left and just said, I just don't like it anymore. I just don't like it. And that's completely, leaving and going are completely different things. Completely different. And there's people that I've seen leave here and just leave. And when you read passages like Acts 13 and sing songs like we sang this morning, you kind of go, I don't think the Holy Spirit has told you to do that. The Holy Spirit hasn't told you just to leave and go home and lick your wounds for five years and not be very happy about anything. And I'm really not talking down at anyone or, or aiming to, I'm not criticizing any of the people that have left. And as Ollie said last week, it's really important that we move on and forgive people that have gone to other churches and so on. But even in, even in that story in Acts, you know, there's a, there's a tricky bit. It's real life. It's where, where John Mark leaves, and it's kind of skipped over in one sentence in Acts 13, where John left and went back to Jerusalem. And in Acts 15, there's a sharp disagreement between Barnabas and Paul about John Mark's role and so on. It's, it's real life happening, and people people arguing and figuring out life. And you know, that in itself would be the same as, you know, where Ollie's on in... Uh, Berlin today if Nick Lepevian walked back through the door in a minute and said well Ollie and Jürgen were arguing about my role so I've just come home that would be a tricky conversation that would happen here sometime next week but it's you know in Acts 13 it's real life there's real tension there's real wrestling and sorting out of roles and so on so I'm, I'm really not I'm really not criticising anyone that's left but it's been sad to see people just say, I just don't like church, so I'm going. That's really sad. And I think we all have a responsibility to make sure we're a church that sends people, like we did with Keith and Julia a couple of weeks ago, where they said, we're going. We don't quite know what we're going to do when we get to Shrewsbury. We don't quite know where we're going to live, really. We don't quite know what church we're going to be involved in or what we're going to do when we get there. But the Holy Spirit has spoken, so we're off. And that's amazing, because you can celebrate that and say, fantastic, you know, go with the blessing of everybody here, all your brothers and sisters, to Shrewsbury, not knowing what you can do when you get there. Why? Because God said. And that's a very different thing to leaving. Keith and Julia haven't left, they've gone to Shrewsbury and been sent. And if you do, if you, anyone here knows any people that you know they're not here at the moment because they just haven't been here because they don't want to be because they left and you know people left people left because they didn't want to be here and they wish Centro would start up again in its form that it was in and people just didn't come back and it hurts and it hurts them and people hurt themselves and if you know someone you just know actually you're just hurting there's got to be bridges to be built again there's got to be bridges that can be built again and whether those people pick up church somewhere else or here that's not the point it's not the point just to gather numbers here 
But actually, if you do, and I, I was thinking for myself this week of people that I know that are just not here anymore, there's people that I know I need to reach out to and contact and say, hey, are you really listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what God's telling you to do? Or are you just hurt, hurting? And let's try and figure it out. So if I didn't say that right, come talk to me at the end because I haven't meant to cause any offense. One other thing I already mentioned last week, um, where some older people have felt parked up over the past few years. Um, and that actually, that's not right, basically. I've been thinking a lot, since we were in the book of Joshua, I've been thinking a lot um, about Caleb and Caleb's role in the book of Joshua. So Caleb's 85 years old. When Joshua says, okay, we're dividing up the land, Caleb, where do you want to go? You know, what land do you want as your inheritance? And Caleb says, I'm 85, I've still got plenty of gas left in the tank. I'll go over there, please where there's mountains and giants and walled cities because that needs to be taken. And if you're 85, don't park yourself up and say, I'm too old. And don't let anyone else park you up and tell you you're too old. Just don't. If anyone, if anyone does say, you're too old, you can't do it, well, tell them to read the Bible, basically. <laughs> Because there's so much to be done and there's so much wisdom from people that are, you know, I'm advancing in my years and I've just reached the point where the doctor started saying, you're just getting older. It's horrible. But there's people that I look up to that are 20, 30 years older than me that are just full of wisdom and full of life and full of energy. So please, if you're 85, Bonnie, who we said goodbye to this week, Bonnie's Thanksgiving was this week. She was 99 when she died. She was, I think Ollie said she was 85 when she became a Christian. So if Bonnie's race can begin when she's 85, well, if you're 70, 75, 80, 85, yours hasn't ended yet either. So please don't ever let anyone tell you you're too old. Please. Or too young. Always the perfect age. Um, I'm going to come into land in a minute actually there's stuff here that I haven't said but it's fine um, guys can you just flick on to the um, verse um, Acts 13 verse 47 ah it's the next one anyway good so back into Acts 13 for, the, for so the Lord has commanded us saying I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth Paul's journey was fraught with all kinds of trouble, basically. It wasn't an easy journey at all. But if you're called to bring salvation to the ends of the earth and be a light for the Gentiles, well, that's good. And as Richard was saying this morning, Richard James, you know, it's actually, this is the important stuff. This is the important stuff. There's going, to be, there's going to be trouble in life. There just is. Actually, can you just go back to one more? I think I've got the verse there from um, 2 Corinthians 11. Sorry, Andrew, I'm jumping around all over the place in my slides. If anyone was to say to Paul, Paul, how's your week been this week? Well, in 2 Corinthians, he was reflecting on, well, I have been whipped 39 lashes 
five times. I've been beaten with rods three times. I've been stoned, which is next week in Acts chapter 14, where he's stoned and left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, which would also have been chapter 13, where you're in danger from robbers traveling up to Pisidian Antioch. Danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, keep going. In toil and hardship, I've had many sleepless nights. I'm hungry and thirsty, I've got no food, I'm cold, I'm exposed in the cold. And apart from other things, I lead all the churches, which, you know, I've been an elder of one church for nine months and even if none of those other things had happened, I can't imagine leading all the churches and writing most of the New Testament at the same time. So if Sally does choose to have, which I think she should, a tattoo of... I'll call you to suffer much hardship for the sake of my name. Well, that's okay, because he's my strength and my song. And he's the reason why you have to do this. <laughs> and just finally, and we'll break bread and we'll worship. I, the toughest thing often, the toughest thing, is when it seems like, okay, we're called to be lights in the world we're called to be lights to the gentiles toughest thing in life can be where it seems like god's the one who's in the dark and it feels like i want to be a light i just can't see god at the moment and that's where often <laughs> that's where we need to trust god often it's if it feels like god is in the dark that's where we need to trust god the most it's like a kid, well, I remember when I was a kid, when you're a child and you go to bed and you say to your mum or dad, can you leave the door open and leave the light on and sit outside? So mum or dad does that, leaves the door open, light on, sits outside. And then after a few nights of that, mum says, you know what, we're going to turn the light out now, but I'm still going to be there, just outside the door. And mum's still just outside the door and you go, okay, you're still there. And then a few nights later, mum or dad says, I'm going to go down the bottom of the stairs now. I remember my mum doing this. I'm down the bottom of the stairs. I'm still there. Door's still open. The light's off. I'm still at the bottom of the stairs. And then you work your way towards maturity as a child where, okay, the lights are off. My mum's not actually here within earshot because she's gone back downstairs into the lounge. But I trust that she's still there. And I trust that I'm safe. And I trust that she's still protecting me. And often it's trusting God when it feels like it's dark and feels like he's the one in the dark that's the most difficult thing. I remember when, um, when we moved back here from Centro in 2018, I had a drink with Andy in town. And Andy said to me at that time, in 2018, Andy said to me, would I think about becoming one of the elders at Centro? And um, it's like, oh, great, you know, let's, let's, let's figure it out. And I think within less than 48 hours, the Holy Spirit had really clearly said to me and Rebecca, don't be, no, that's not the right journey for you to take. Don't be an elder at Centro. And also, actually, come back from Centro to Hendon Park instead. 
So actually, when I next caught up with Andy two days later, the conversation was, Andy, I'm not going to be an elder, and we're leaving. Which is difficult, wasn't it? Uh, It was a horrible conversation for me to have to have, and difficult for Andy to hear, and so on. But listening to the Holy Spirit, it was the right thing to do. And I think within, within a few months of getting back here to Hamden Park, within a few months, I remember sitting there thinking, God, I have no idea why you told me to do this. Because actually, I was fine at Centro, and it felt like that journey was great. And Andy had asked me to keep, from what I saw, moving on the journey. And you called me back here, and this is tough, and I can't see you, and I can't hear you, and I don't really want to be here because this is really difficult. And it was in that time of God just saying, this is the right place for you to be. I was like, okay then this is the right place for me to be, and this is where I am. But trusting God in those places is something that we all just need to do, need to learn how to do. Is John Robbins here? Is John here? There he is at the back. John. John, this morning. um, Ollie, do you want to bring the band back up, please? John, this morning, during the worship time, I felt God really clearly say to me, say to you, John, what's happening right now, right now in this season, is part of your journey at the moment. So where you're, where you're saying, when does my journey kick off? When do I, when do, I do stuff? When do, when do I start moving? I felt God would say, John, this is part of your journey. And every journey has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when this journey that you're on now ends, the next journey starts. But not to, not to confuse yourself with, I'm not on a journey, I'm not moving, with actually God will say, John, this is part of the journey. I think for a lot of people, if you're sitting here today thinking, when does my journey start? Part of it is, it's already happening, and this is all part of it. And it might be difficult, and it might be easy. And if it's easy, it's going to become difficult, and if it's difficult, it's going to become easy. And there's always going to be an ending to a journey and a new journey starting. Guys, I'm going to hand it over to you to kind of take it where you see fit. I said to Ben and Andy and um, Clive, by the time I finish talking, my brain is going to be fried. I'm just going to hand over to you, and you can take it where you let's, see fit. Uh, let's Let's uh, give Martin a round of applause. Thank you, Martin. So in just a moment, we're going to break bread. I think, so my takeaway from some of what Martin was saying is that actually change is inevitable in life, but actually God is constant throughout that as well. He's the one we can rely on. And... um, just remind me about, I love Psalm, Psalm 25. I just want to read a verse out from there about God guiding us and leading us on the journey before um, Ollie leads us on in worship. So David wrote, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation and for you I wait all day long. Yeah, before we sing, 
I mean, Martin's been incredibly open and honest and real with us today. He's just really been a pastor in the life of our church family. We're going to come around this, this table. And this table is the heart of the gospel, isn't it? It's the cross. It reminds us of the cross of Jesus. And um, I know that for some people here, and actually to a certain extent, even for me here, there's things that I need to leave at the cross. There's things that um, have been part of my journey, that God's brought me to this place, as he has with you. And we just need to leave some stuff at the cross so that we can allow things to, you know, to be surrendered to him. Because there's a new journey. And sometimes we can't move on into the new journeys that God's got for us because we're still holding on to the old. So I think communion for us, breaking bread today, is about us coming before the cross and saying, Lord, yeah, there's all this stuff, all these things that you, I've seen your hand, you've provided, you've made a way, you've been in it. But Lord, I just want to be at a place in my heart, in my life, where I can just bring everything to the cross. And say, Lord, from this day onward, I want to be ready for what you've got for me in the next season, in the next journey of my life. And so we are going to sing in just a bit, but I want us to just take a moment, maybe just be a bit quiet just for a bit, just in these final moments. And we say, Lord... Thank you for bringing me this far. Thank you for leading me. But I want to I want to put this down. Because sometimes we can hold on to what is good in the past. And and actually what God wants to do is to lead us into what is better. Some of you need to hear that. You're holding on to stuff that has been good in the past but there's a there's a better there's a more there's a more fruitful there's a another journey that God's leading us into so let's let's loosen our grip on the past hey we know this Christian life is about dying to ourselves I have been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who lives but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're tag teaming, all right? There is an amazing place in psychology called a liminal space. Perhaps some of you have heard of it. A liminal space, in other words, subliminal, below, below conscious level. But a liminal place is a place that's a threshold and a threshold is a really interesting place to be. So it's at the end of something and before the start of something else. And some of you here at a threshold, you're looking back and it's over, and you're looking ahead and it hasn't started. And that's one of the most wonderful places to be as a Christian because God loves keeping you in a liminal space sometimes. It's called a wilderness, it's called a desert, it's a place with no signposts. And some of you are in a liminal place right now. I wish this next thing would start. Or I regret what's now stopped. 
And now you might think to yourself, this is a very painful place to be. It's actually a really precious place. That's where faith really operates. And some of you just grasp hold of that. Uh, The word enjoy perhaps is too strong, but to enjoy a liminal space is an amazing trust in God. You've put your hand in his when there's no signpost, no clear, uh, familiar territory, but you're there and you're very, very safe in his hands. So let's give those things over. Let's in this space. Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. In fact, Lord, in this in this liminal space, Lord, we're excited about what you've got for us. Will you stir faith in our hearts as individuals and as a church? There are new missionary journeys for us to go on. So, Lord, in this space, we come to the cross and we say, Lord, we give it all to you. In this place, Lord, will you ignite faith in Jesus' name. And when you're ready, just take some time if you need to, but when you're ready, let's go to the stations around the room. There's, there's one here, there's one at the back, um, just over there, and there's one over here and at the front. And whether you need to be with somebody else, maybe your, your, your husband, your wife, or a friend or someone in your group, maybe you want to sit alongside them and just pray together. But let's break bread together and let's ask the Holy Spirit to set our hearts ready for our next missionary journey as an individual and as a church together. This is an exciting time in God. So I'm going to let you set the time. If you need to sit down for a bit, just wait. If you want to go straight to the table, Grab the bread and the juice. And may this be that precious moment. We say, Lord, I trust you with the journey ahead.